Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the 442 Podcast. I'm James Brown, Editor-in-Chief of the magazine. Joining me today are two writers who made a fantastic contribution to our 25th anniversary edition, which is on sale now. Steve Hill is a regular 442 writer who pays a return visit to Bournemouth to speak to Eddie Howe, who he first interviewed when Eddie was a trainee in 1994 in one of our earliest issues. Neil Hurd is one of the world's leading experts on football shirts, and everything he knows about it is can be found in the Football Shirts book, The Connoisseur's Guide. And Neil celebrates one of the most iconic shirts in football in this current issue, and that being the Boca Juniors kit. We also look at how fans are finding their voice online and offering an alternative to conventional punditry. Steve, Neil, all right? Morning. Bonada. This feels different from our previous weeks because we've had genuine top-quality football writers there. (laughs) 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 Whereas in this case, I would class both of you as people I actually know. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. uh, One of the nice things about taking over a a magazine is you you get to bring in people that you really rate. Um, That failed. So uh, Steve (laughs) Steve came back on board and you've been writing for 442 for a long... When I was a reader of 442... I remember you wrote a great piece about Chester City being taken yeah. over by an American guy. Yes. In the times when the idea of foreign owners was just bizarre. It was. It was. I didn't do the headline, but it was called No Surrender to the USA. Yeah, this was Mad Terry Smith, who, who came along. Uh, I think he previously managed a, a, an American football team in Munich who got found out because he said, don't take your masks off. It wasn't who they said they were. It was just a load of kids. And his answer <laughs> to that was... Munich is a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come in and own our club and then make yourself manager and have the teams, do, have the Lord's Prayer, appoint three captains, offence, defence, midfield. Amazingly, we got relegated. Get away. <laughs> it didn't last long, did it? No, he, he did get a manager in finally after Christmas, but we went down on the last day, yeah. Yeah, I wrote a big piece on that. And then I wrote another big Chester piece when uh, Chester City went out of, uh, out of business. Now, the disappointing thing for me is you are a very good writer. I really enjoy reading your articles, but they're invariably about Chester City, who are only followed... <laughs> That's niche, that is niche. <laughs> how many fans would you estimate, really, don't well, lie, how many fans do you think Chester have? Globally. Chester City have? Probably I mean, about 4,000. They've got 30,000 Twitter followers. I mean, you're talking globally that, a lot that of them slightly care. <laughs> um. But th- anyway, the reason, I'm, the reason I mention that is you wrote a fantastic book, because it's to explain to who Steve is. He, he was writing for 442 for a long time. As soon as I took over, I wanted to bring him back 
uh, as well as Andy Mitten is also uh, the two writers I always associated with the magazine as a reader. But you wrote a brilliant book called The Card, Every Match, Every Mile. And it's about following Chester City for a whole season to every single game. And I, I've got no interest in Chester City. I know nothing about them apart from that article. And uh, the book is so funny. It's it's probably because the team are so low down the scale that everybody's a neutral. Kind of, yeah. I mean, well, unless you support Wrexham or something. Just someone. to be pedant, it's Chester FC. Chester City ceased to exist in 2010, so that's why we had to reform. So we came up to the leagues and got back into the National League, which is what, yeah, where this book is based. Um, essentially, it's a book about how I used to get a lift to the match and now I don't get a lift to the match anymore, which doesn't sound like a hundred thousand words, but. Um, my mate who I get a lift with at the start of the season said, yeah, I'm actually emigrating at the end of the season. So I thought, oh, Christ, well, let's just do it. One big hurrah, basically, yes. We did every minute of every match, or it, I did. It's sort of like Thelma and Lee, Louise. Yeah, well, Woodnell blokes. and I, it says on the front, the Woodnell I of non-league football. But there's no... Yeah, OK. I think it's, I was, it's, I was it's, a Woodnell character left behind, just now, full of grief. Um, Neil, you have written two fantastic books about training shoes and football shirts. How many of the football shirts book did you sell? Because I know you asked me a while ago if, if I thought you should mm. sell the rights onto a bigger publisher. What was what it sold now? Well, I first published it by myself, and it was called Another Name, and I sold 4,000 of that. And yep. I think apparently the last sales figures I had through was up to 12,000. Okay. And I've just sold it trans to German. It's come out in Germany as well. Okay. Which is good. So, but... I don't know. I always think it should be more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I suppose I would. That's a lot of books. So the football shirt book, uh, the Connoisseur's Guide, and let's start. Let's come back to you, Steve. You've interviewed Eddie Howe as a trainee. Yeah. How rem- did that come remarkably, about? Well, that, that was the first thing I ever had published. My my full magazine debut was in four four two. That issue. It came about. Uh, I just finished university. I was living in Bournemouth with my parents, I guess, and um. Four for two had just launched. So it was, it was our mate, our mutual friend Dan Davis, the biographer of Sir James Savile. He somehow organised uh, for me to just write, you know, like a tiny sidebar to a bigger thing. Yeah. And I found out that Eddie Howe, who obviously then, you know, who was Eddie Howe? He was at school with a cousin of mine who happened to say, "All oh, right, I'm at, so it's just a I'm, I'm at school connection. with a guy who plays for Bournemouth youth team." I went, "Well, well give me his number." Rang his house. I said, "All right, I'll see you down the ground on Tuesday or whatever." Did the interview, and yeah, he was like a really level-headed young man. He's like a 16-year-old. You know, he's yeah. kind of made some sense at the end of the interview. And oh, can I just say this? You know, it wasn't like some idiot kid. Uh, so, yeah, it just happened to be him. And he's the only person in that entire year who yeah, made a Yeah, he wasn't career. like the outstanding player. Not, no, completely random, yeah. And then he went on to be Mr. Bournemouth. Now, when, when you went back down 25 years later for this, for our anniversary issue, did he remember doing the interview? Absolutely, yeah. Also, you also had his own car park space this time as well, with mm. a little gold sign. Oh, uh, yeah, he absolutely remembered it. He's like, yeah, well, my mum bought 20 copies of that. You know, for a kid to have a full picture in a magazine then. Um, yeah, he was like, oh, great to see you again. You know, let's not leave it another 25 years. Yeah, uh, yeah he's just a really friendly guy. And, and a great interviewee. Oh, well, great, great for transcribing. You, you ask him a question, he sits, thinks about it and answers it in a coherent sentence that you can just type up really quickly. You, know, you interview some people and they go off at all kinds um, of tangents. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's a very straight bat. I, yeah. I tried to bait him with the, you know, the Robbie Savage thing you told me. He said... Bournemouth got no right to be in the Premier League. Mm. What I really want him to say is, you know, of course yeah. you've got every right. And he's like, well, you know, that's the beauty of the pyramid system. You yeah. can't really get him to say I anything controversial. When those people like Savage were saying that, they were quoting teams like the team I support, Leeds. 
Mm. I don't agree with that. Well, yeah, it's not 1974. Do you know as well? I, I do. I'm a Newport <laughs> County fan, and I hate yeah. Bournemouth being in the Premier League. You do hate it. Well, yeah, they, it. they relegated us to non-league, effectively. There are 10,000 people. They're a southern club which has got no affinity and passion for football. I like the way they play. They're owned by some Russian oligarch. I can't stand them. I can't wait till they go down. But is that Strong. because they've left? <laughs> is that because they've left? Where I don't think it's a proper footballing city. But and that kind of drives me mad when you look at all the clubs in the world. Like you just said, if you look at the championship, and this is just an opinion, yeah. you've got Leeds, Villa, Sheffield United, go all the way down that list to Sunderland and Pompey in the division below. And Poxy Bournemouth are in the Premiership. It infuriates me week in, week out. And I have no affinity to them. I don't dislike Bournemouth. But I've be- have you ever been to Bournemouth? Do you know Eddie Howe's joining us in a minute? <laughs> well, look. <laughs> He's here tonight. What? As Steve just said, he seems like a nice guy. And it's good to see a British or English well, manager I find that well. bizarre. Absolutely it, it bizarre. It does. It's one of those things. I just yeah, think that, that it's not a football in City. It should not well, have well, a what Premier is okay, well, But that What are the football in like, cities? Liverpool, well, Manchester, London. No, all the ones N- I just Newport. said. Well, what about Newport? Well, I didn't say Newport was. That's what I'm saying. If I was in the Premiership for Newport, I could see... But that is not how you get to be in a league, by being a footballing city. They don't. At the end of nine months ago, you're a footballing city. You're in the Premier League. No, it's not. But I'm just saying it's my opinion. But then you know, and I, I, I hear about the, no, the championship is like it. a tribute league. The championship is a tribute league to the That's old not. first division. I of course it is. Villa, Sunderland, Leeds. No, they're all teams who should be in the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I mean. It's like a tribute act. No, it's, uh, you're both Listen, it's an opinion. I've, and I'm with you. Get in, on you that. get into the Premier League by winning matches of football. Yeah, you do, but it doesn't make it all right and perfect. That's what I'm saying. perfect. Football's an Watford, absolute mess. I get Watford out. Yeah, okay, so okay, yeah okay, you, look okay, at the, you look okay, at the bottom ten of the Premier League. It's, what it's, happens it's crap, if Bournemouth, right, stay in the Premier League for mm. 20 years? Yeah, then they and might And they well gradually do. build. No, rubbish. They won't. They rebuild the stadium because they've got the money and they've got the Premiership money. They'll build it to 20 if they're lucky and they'll fill that with tourists who just want to come down and see Man United when they play. It's not a footballing city. A footballing city is Sunderland in League One getting 30,000 people. It's Portsmouth in League Two getting 20,000 people. That's because they're bigger places. No, it's not. It's not. Sunderland's a much bigger place than Bournemouth. Yeah, but Portsmouth's not much bigger than Bournemouth. Is it hell? I don't like Portsmouth. Have we got Pompey's a proper footballing city. We got beat. By proper footballing city, you mean just has lots of hooligans? Is basically what you're saying. Well, of course, hooligans are affiliated to the big cities. But Portsmouth, I've been down. I know those lot well. You know, and nearly every, you don't see anybody going around when they're playing football in the park with a Man U shirt on, Liverpool shirt. They're all wearing Pompey shirts. I think that's well, true. Yeah, when, when I used to live in Bournemouth, you wouldn't that. see a Bournemouth shirt. It is. Have you been down to Portsmouth? <laughs> everyone, everyone yeah, in Bournemouth supported Southampton twenty years ago. When I was down there recently, I saw a couple of Bournemouth shirts, which you would never see. It's an opinion. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm probably, I know, you're absolutely I'm right. Bournemouth, Bournemouth have found these 10,000 new fans. I mean, are they, is everybody who's ever been to Bournemouth in their life now go to every game or have they just suddenly become a Bournemouth fan? Oh, yeah, because when I used to go in the same league as Chester, yeah, 3,000 tops at Bournemouth. They were, they were a Can shit we just team like us. Eddie Howe for a minute? I know, and no okay. disrespect to Port- Bournemouth Ed, fans Eddie, out there. <laughs> Eddie Howe, is he, uh, is he surprised by his success? He doesn't seem to be, because I sort of said, you know, are you pinching yourself? He said, well, you know, that, that would suggest that I haven't put a lot of hard work into this. They've, he's done it very methodically, obviously with a huge injection of cash from this Maxim Denim. He's a guy that you never, you never see. What, what does he look like? I mean, he's not a, a, a very visible guy, is he? He's just quietly put this money in, got the guy one. But yeah, he, he said to Howe, you know, I want the Premier League in two seasons. He's like, I think that when they bought the League One, he said, I want Premier League. So are you joking? But that conversation must take place at Notts County when they have. Yeah, Sven, everyone does. At like mm. anywhere, Portsmouth, anywhere where those a big spending guy comes in. 
Mm. And they have that conversation. They go, that's not going to happen. Well, I mean, he says that in the piece, doesn't he? He thinks yeah. that's not going to happen. They've just done it the right way. I mean, they haven't really splashed money on any huge signings, have they? The year they went up, Leeds beat them twice. Oh, back to Leeds. <laughs> no, but they weren't all that. I'm just saying, having, having been to Bournemouth to watch them, yeah. they weren't all that. Uh, but I think the recruitment has been really good. I think they yeah. they took Lewis Cook from us. They took they Brooks. they, they put him Brooks from Sheffield United. Yeah, they they have basically just have picked very good emerging players from Championship teams and really strong players on the fringes of the fir- of of the first team bench. You know, well, yeah, like you, the, uh, places like Liverpool. He said he has trouble attracting big names there because you know you, you're probably going to go to Sunderland or Leeds if you if you've got a choice for similar money. Than go to a club like Bournemouth, so he's had to work for it. But I mean, he had Wilshire, and it didn't work out because Wilshire's fitness and his, you know, yeah, his yeah. injuries. Mm. Jermaine <coughs> Defoe went back briefly, didn't he? Did well? he? Did he talk in the piece about England? Uh, I, I asked him the token question. He gave that absolute token answer that you always get. I, I like the day-to-day training of a, a yeah. full-time. And did job. he ask? Did you? Did he? Did he speak off the record about whether any other bigger clubs have come into him since his time at Burnley? No, there was, there was no off the record. His press guy was sat, basically looking over our shoulder. So uh, it was it was all on the record. It was all a pretty okay. straight bat, as I say. Okay, let's move on to uh, Neil Hurd's first piece for four four two, the Boca Juniors strip. Mm. It's a beautiful strip. It, it's a, a, a world renowned strip. But why did you choose that one in particular to start with? I think, I suppose I'm kind of intrigued or not, I'm pulled towards shirts which from the minute they walk on the pitch, any one of us in this room and any fan around the world, quite frankly, would know which that team is. You know, so they're really unique and they become the overused word, iconic. You know, so Ajax, I'd say, would come to mind in that. Boca would be top of that. You know, so that came on. If they come on in blue with a big yellow band... Everybody around the world is going to say Boca. Somebody came on in red and you were looking at Hazel, you wouldn't know quite who it could be. It could be Bayern, it could be Man United, it could be any hundred of them, Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? But the Boca kit just strikes a chord. Why do you think more teams don't go for that sort of broad upper chest band? Because I'm actually thinking, did Bournemouth have it in the 70s or was it? did West Ham have it? Well. West Ham had a band across. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I've got some of them with a the Pale Adco, Blue with a, with a burgundy band across. Yeah. Why did more teams not go for that? You know what? I don't know. That's a good question. I now, tell us what, how the the shirt came about, because there's a nice story behind the origination yeah. of the design. There's a lot, like with lots of sort of iconic shirts, there seems to be like a nice story behind it. And with Boca, there's a few, really, because they were formed in the Italian district of Buenos Aires, and they actually clashed with another team who were f- named after Nottingham Forest, as lots of the early teams over there were, named mm-hmm. after English teams. And they both wore red. Were so they, they called Nottingham Forest? They were called something, Allegro de Nottingham, I think. Okay. Um, literally, And Boca Juniors are called Juniors as a nod to the English influence, or British influence, I should say. Yeah. Um, and they played a game in red, and they said, look, we're going to meet each other, so let's, whoever wins this match is going to have to change the, you know, can keep the red and then change, strip the next, and Boca lost. Yeah. And so for number one, there was this little story where they had to do that to change anyway. So then they lost and had to decide on a kit and they couldn't quite know what to decide because there was a few various you know, p- mm-hmm. bits going into it. And because there's the port district, they said, well, I'll tell you what, let's name it after the... Who did? Who said it? The three chairmen, apparently. Okay. Well, actually, I have since read that it didn't actually happen in one instance. That they saw boats coming in and out and one of the boats 
and there were only three of them who came in in that three-month period, the Statos have really looked into it over there, was, was carrying the flag of Sweden, and that's where it comes from. Okay. So it's after the Swedish flag. But actually, if you look at it, I suppose the Swedish flag is a little bit lighter than Bokka playing blue mm. now, but that's what it was. So once they said, they said, look, let's, let's play in blue and yellow after the Swedish flag. So it's the Swedish... Is the sw- isn't the Swedish flag blue out of yellow rather than yellow out of blue? It's a yellow cross on a blue oh, is it? background, okay. yeah. And so that's how it came about. Has it changed much over the, over the years? No. So initially before that, I think then they had played in like a Peru band yeah. for the first few years. The red so stripe. Well, it was yellow and blue, but yeah, the yellow but the style. sash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that off, you know. Bocca Juniors, oh, you know, with their enemies. I River. quite like that strip as well. I used yeah. to, at school uh, in Woodhouse in Leeds, we had... The Crystal Palace kit, yeah, white with the red and blue across, yeah. shouldered out of the hip. That's right. I, I think that's the thing. It's interesting you say that. As soon as you start to say shirts, people often go back to Peru '78, you know, yep. which is that sash going across. All Crystal Palace get referenced a hell of a lot, but that's maybe divergent. But you know, so that's what they played with, and then they went to the band, and it stayed virtually that band until today. In, in, in around that time, in uh, growing up as a keen Sabutio player in Leeds, there were a lot of Leeds white kits that mm. had been changed with red felt tips. <laughs> <laughs> like wobbling lights. Okay, yeah. what, was, what do you think is the golden age of the football shirt? You know what, that all depend- I've learned from doing the book that that depends on your age. Because basically, when like I music. Yeah, but everybody you interviewed for that book, or I interviewed for that book, and I spoke to many people, yeah. on their age, they went back to their youth. So I, w- I would say the 80s. For you, for, and I, and I was kind of that, you know, I was yep. born in 1969. So, but I still would say that. But then you speak to all the modern kids nowadays. Everybody goes back to the 90s and you know, all that gearish stuff that probably like our era didn't like. Yeah, you know, all the, the crazy colours sort of and pattern shirts. They're like the most favourite shirts. And then you've got uh, people who are a bit older than me, and they say the 70s when it was all it's the syno- like. It's a, it seems to be like the music that is synonymous with a really important part of your life exactly. when you're starting to define who you are and what you're into. Yeah, without a doubt. And that, I didn't actually, maybe I was being thick, but I actually didn't see that coming until I did the book. You know, it was interesting. You could almost say, for the person I was interviewing, you know, if they were in their 50s, I knew they were going to then say the 70s or the 60s. Mm-hmm. If they were in my age, in their 40s or whatever, they were going to say the 80s. You could literally strata it like that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. You're listening to the 442 Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through iTunes and Spotify. Moving on to uh, the second big feature you've written in our anniversary issue, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Mark Goldbridge. <laughs> now, I, I had to brief you on Mark Goldbridge. He's, he's somebody I've been watching on uh, Twitter for a while, and I actually found him through Goldbridge World, which is, yes. is the people who, who follow him on Twitter and retweet him because they think he's unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> now, he's become no more knowing over the last... I yeah, think so, I yeah. think because he as he's become aware that people think he's like Alan Partridge, but um, if if you don't know who Mark Goldbridge is, he, he's a vlogger. He supports Manchester United. He's based in the Midlands, and he's got fairly uh, sophisticated graphics on his YouTube screen. You know, and um, not only does he comment live on Manchester United games, he also comments on his own is it FIFA games yep, yeah. and there's also some nice clips of him on holiday as well <laughs> <laughs> and there's also now clips of him playing football and getting into rucks with other vloggers in arranged matches <laughs> so I said look find out about this guy and go and find him so what was he what was he like because yeah, he's a very modern he's, he's an, he a prime example of a very modern phenomenon I was it's, only really it's the equivalent um, of fanzines isn't it I was it? only vaguely aware of him when, when you asked me I, I pretended I'd heard of him just, just to get the job really no you but actually I, said you didn't know who he was oh right I didn't, didn't even go that far but yeah I, I, I watched him for a couple of weeks and uh, I just arranged to meet him over Twitter I could have been anyone I said let's just meet in a pub in Solihull <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's quite trusting of him to turn up because I, I imagine he does have some insane followers. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he's just this mild mannered guy. Got himself a lager shandy and uh, spoke. Is he tall? No- I say that because you only. Well, no, it's like the it's like the the sort of Des Lynham thing. Does he wear jeans under his jacket? Because he's he's always he looks quite small. He's no, but he was a policeman. Yeah, and he dressed up quite smart because he thought a photographer was coming. I had to break the news to him. It wasn't. He had his best Pringle on. Yeah. But, um, no, he's of medium height, James. I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not crime watching. We were sat down. Uh, yeah, so we sat for an hour in this, this empty pub in Solihull, and uh, he pretty much spoke nonstop. Again, he was, there was no dead air. Uh, even after the tape was rolling, we just sat and talked about but football for a quite, bit. Having read and edited the article, um, he, he comes across quite different to how he is yeah, on the screen. It, kind of. It's just like a sort of yeah, a lesser version. I think he ramps it up maybe 20% on screen. Yeah, he's just a, just a very normal guy, and a, a genuine football fan, and quite a shrewd analyst, I think, came across. He, he seemed to know his stuff. He's always banging on about the Glazers and Woodward. And, you know. and, and he cares he, about the financial side of clubs, mm. is which, he which making, a lot of people... Speaking of that, is he making... He still works. He's money still, out of he it. He still okay. works part-time. Okay. So everyone assumes that if you're on YouTube, you're coining it in. But unless you're one of these Minecraft weirdos or yeah. Logan Paul, you know, there, there are various levels of, uh, of finance. Yeah, he was, he was just a nice was guy. It, was he? How was he about the idea that we were we the first media outlet to approach him? Or has he been featured on 
television? Well, or? Uh, we was on Talk Sport this week. I don't know if that's off the back of us doing it. Um, <laughs> what he said to me, yeah, he said as soon as it was four four two, I said uh, I was definitely keen for it because I've always read that mag, but not for the last ten years. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he was pleased to do it. I think. I mean, he, he responded very quickly to to the invitation. Great. Um, yeah, he was just kind of a mild mannered guy. He wouldn't wouldn't say boo to a goose really. But, he uh, was mild mannered. I'd say so, yeah. Is he not? Is he, not? <laughs> he didn't swear. He swore once in the entire hour. But as he said, when he watches football, you know, he, he undergoes a startling metamorphosis. And he, is it an act, do you think? Not so much an act. I think he does genuinely get angry. So I, I've been watching him. <laughs> so funny. Have you watched him? No. Yeah. I've been watching he's him so since. funny when he gets well. I love like to watch he's him. Getting, yeah. He's shouting and screaming about a computer game. Yeah. He, he? he loses <laughs> it over FIFA, yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Look. He said he almost had a heart attack with FIFA. He's shouting and screaming about a computer game, and we, we've actually got a few clips of him. Let's have a listen. You can't miss this in your bloody boots that look like you're running around in your feet. You can't miss. You can't miss this. He's bloody missed it. He's what missed. a prat. What a prat. Phil Jones. It was bloody written in the stars. Phil Jones, what are you doing? Why can't Eric Bay take it? Phil bloody Jones running around with no feet on his no bloody skin feet. Pink boots. It's the pink boots, Marcus. The bloody pink boots. See what, I'm, see what I mean? He's nuts. But he's very engaging. He's really engaging. He he is. Like most things that I find on Instagram or Twitter, I kind of get into him for a couple of weeks and then you kind of disappear away. And mm. then when well, you yeah. see him again a few months later, you think, what the heck is that? So well, since I've interviewed him, I've continued watching it. I, I, I did a watch along with Man United Chelsea. So it's, it's him watching the game on a Sunday. My, my son loves it as well because there's a little bit of swearing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was an absolutely dreadful game. So you end up just watching Mark Goldbridge. <laughs> Losing his mind over this appalling game. Like, do they know that we have to win this game of football? <laughs> like, has somebody told them they're, they're required but, to win? But you know what? This is an extension of. Do you remember when Sky used to do Fan Zone? Yeah. Mm. That used to be great viewing. Absolutely mm. great. I used to love that. And uh, he's also got some footage on there of his time on a beach on holiday. No, thank you. No, yeah. No, yeah. No, I'm, I'm all right. I'm talking, mate. No, no, I'm talking. Piss off. I'm talking. No, no, no. No. You wanka. No. Bye bye. Go fuck away. Off. What are you talking about? Fuck off. You wanka. All right. You wanka. Yeah. Don't buy fruit in Mallorca. Funny enough, he said the the idea for the whole thing came about while he was on a lilo in Mallorca. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> He's clearly a holiday thinker. <laughs> he likes the holidays. He did. He did say the bit I didn't use that uh, his favourite thing to do is watch football on holiday w- without shouting about it. He said that the best match of the year is the one he watches in Mallorca in a pub on his own. What, when the, he, the, wait, unrecorded, yeah. When he's relaxed. Yeah, when when he's actually not being filmed. And he's. Did he say? Is he married? Is he? Does his, he's what, married. He's got children. Yeah, he does a school what does run. His, what does his wife make of his newfound fame? Didn't, didn't really get onto that. Okay. He said his kids haven't seen it. He, he, he does worry about the day his kids go, um, you know, mm. someone at school is like, sure I've seen your dad swearing about Manchester United on, on mm. YouTube. I mean, it's, do you think that people are watching this because it's, it's genuinely more realistic and, more, and funnier and more interesting than people who are, who are worried about their reputations and, and, and worried about the next time they meet the player that they've just coated off like mainstream pundits, ex-players. Exactly that, yeah, that, that was his point. He just said mainstream punditry is, is just so banal 
He made the point about even Alex Ferguson would come out after they'd been thrashed and just say, yeah, unlucky, you know. He, he said he wanted Alex Ferguson to absolutely tear strips off them and he wasn't getting that. So he says that the fan interaction fills that void of, of what people actually think. Mm. He just he loves, you know, he loves talking about football on the bus at work. He just loves the whole fan interaction. So it's a natural extension of that was his point. And um, it's not his real name, is it? Mark no. Goldbridge. <laughs> Astonishingly. There's so many, there were a lot of conspiracy theories around. I just said, have you heard this one? Like, yeah, that's right. That's my name. His name is Brent de Cesare. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> Brackets David Brent. <laughs> so, there, is Brent no, there is no Mark Goldbridge. Brent. And but he explains in the in the magazine why that is. Well, because because he, he's an ex copper. He, he was fraud squad. He was looking to financial fraud. He had, he had to go to his bosses. I'm starting a YouTube channel. <laughs> Can I use my own name? Like, well, we'd rather you didn't. So uh, he came up with Mark Goldbridge, which is just, is very close to Alan Partridge, isn't it? What? what? Oh, he's already got he's already got the Brent from David. Yeah. Brent. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't stand a chance. Yeah, I like I like. I like but you know, he's fairly happy to talk about. It. There's also the theory that he's a Nottingham Forest fan and he just chose United. Just but he explained the most... that, and it was quite. I, I didn't he, see any reason he, to disbelieve him. Yeah, yeah, if you read, the, if you do, this is a, a real kicker to go and buy the magazine. If you go and read the magazine, I think it was fair explanation as to how children get dragged to different games by parents and and circumstances and people move. So yeah, but it, don't you think that's such an unusual one when they're Manu fans? It's a what? You know, such a usual excuse when they're, oh, but my old man spotted Man U. That's why I spotted Man U. No, it wasn't that. Because it was why he wasn't explaining the Man U connection. Mm. He was explaining the Nottingham Forest connection. Okay. It was to do with his parents getting divorced. You can see I get angry a lot. His dad supported Chelsea. His mum supported Man U. And they used to go and watch Forest occasionally because he lived in Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, Man U are supported all over the world, aren't they? So Neil, do you think that what's um, what Goldbridge and Co are doing is is the evolution of uh, the old fanzine football fanzine culture? You know what? Actually, I'm kind of like a bit of a luddite about no shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> about the world, should we say there? No. So I. It's not football if it's on a screen. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I I think I've come to see the good in good Leeds. in it, you know, and that he's a good example in a way. If you'd said to me at the beginning, "Oh, this guy does that," I would have said, "Oh, what an awful idea! I can't stand it." But at the same time, I do agree totally with what we're saying about modern punditry, even on the radio and on the telly. I spend my whole life listening to. Talk sport, quite frankly, over Radio 5 yep. Live. And I'm just thinking, please put somebody on who's going to say something that I agree with instead of all the same people saying the same stuff. So, yeah, to go back to what you're saying, yes, I think it is kind of like that fanzine thing. And it's nice that we can take control and say the things we'd like to say, whatever they may be, because you're not hearing it on the mainstream media in whatever guise. So, yeah. I, I like that about it. Even though he's a Man U fan, I, th- I, I like the fact that it's... And I came, I start. I don't have any... Anyone's read my magazines will probably guess I don't have any journalistic qualifications, and I I started doing a fanzine, and, and I, that's why I like these people getting out and, mm. and and just putting their own voices out there because why why shouldn't they? Yeah, know? no, I agree with you. That's what I mean. I think I'm a little bit of a slow convert to it to see yeah. the good. I always I've always heard about Arsenal TV, which I haven't watched because I kind of don't like to hear people just arguing. I, mm. you know, on the radio when fans phone in and they end up arguing, I'm just not into that. But if they're actually articulating it and arguing in a good way, then yeah, and I think some of this stuff is that, allowing you to speak, you know. Do you have anything like that at Newport County? Lord, no. No, they don't. We have like a message board and that's about as far as it goes. 
Was that so what, in, so in the what post happens, office? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What happens? You get home. <laughs> you get home from who in Newport? Who did they play last week? Or who's that last? We home beat game? Lincoln, the mighty Lincoln. So we've got Morecambe right. away. If we win, we're in the playoffs. Okay, so you get home from beating Lincoln. You put the C fax on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> four oh four. No, not four oh four. And then you get on and, and you start the computer, but it goes all that weird high pitch, that logging in sound. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the spectrum. <laughs> and then you go. Then you got the message board. Yeah, <laughs> I am kind of like that. And you know what? Real basic pixels of a, of a club logo. Yeah, club <laughs> logo. Well, so club call. Fifty pence for one minute. Do you have to put your phone in one of those rubber receptors? <laughs> Yes, I do actually. What's, tell me what's going on with Newport County because you came up against uh, some pretty good teams in, in the League Cup this year. We're having a really good moment. It's funny enough, meeting Steve today, he and his story is one of the only people from his club side who I could say are even close to the misery that we've had. You know, everybody sort of has these battles of misery. Do you but like you, that misery? No, I don't. I hate it. But you do, don't you? No, I yeah, it makes it made for a better book. Yeah, yeah, my your misery is, is, your, is your joy. When the, the joy just cracked. Hey, nobody likes a happy story. Yeah, the optimism just dissolved yeah. when you realised you were going to yet again have another long oh, yeah, decline. It was, it was an astonishing season. I think we, we we broke the record for the consecutive home defeats in the season. I wrote the book. Yeah. That's what I mean. That kind of misery to the normal it's, support. It's character building. It's yeah, character I, building. I think and that. we've had that. You know, we were we went bankrupt. We were exiled. We weren't even allowed to play in Wales. You're no one in football if you've not been bankrupt and had points <laughs> yeah, deducted. Exactly. Your country. Yeah. Have you had points deducted? Oh, listen, James. We we've had we hey we've it's yeah. like, we've listen, had if you want a misery battle. I luxury. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just close. We just we would beat you and you come close. Uh, so, so Chester is we were Chester exiled FC. Steve we weren't even play. we had to travel the we had, we had to play in Macclesfield in the 90s 80 mile round trip yeah, for a home so game we, to this, so yeah. to play we used to live in a pit in the ground how many yeah I know <laughs> this is that battle in it of misery <laughs> we've had a much worse time who's, than you. Who's, you who's your coach is it anyone that we would know or your manager he's becoming well known it's a guy called Mike Flynn he's the same part of Newport Flynn as yeah Flynn is, is he related Flynn. to Brian Flynn no, he's not. Okay. He's same. I'm from a place called Pill in Newport, which is a docks area Pill? in Newport. Yeah, well, it's Pill Gwentley. It means like a docks in Welsh. Okay. And he, um, Tony Pulis, who's yeah. the other person, he's from Pill. We all went to the same school, but those two are famous and successful, and I'm not. We, at the same time? Uh, they're a bit older than me. No, Flynn's younger. Pulis was above me. But was he? were you at school with him? At yeah, at yeah. Well, his brother, Ray, is Tony's brother, and he was really better at football than Tony was, but Tony went on to be successful. Okay. Um, so yeah, Flynn, he's from that. He played professionally. He played in the championship for Wigan, probably most famously. We had him, he came back to play for us. I'm overpowered by the glamour of it. It's like Beverly Hills 902. (laughs) This is glamour for us though. Imagine being fucking non-league. So where you've got a chance of going up. Yeah, so we win on Saturday. No one can stop us. If we win, (laughs) we stay in the playoffs. What I mean is we go up. Stalin there. Yeah. It's not, what I mean is if we win, we go up. No, we don't go up. We're in the playoffs. Okay. You know, it's not like we have to yeah, wait. You turn into Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> no one can stop us now. <laughs> well, I'd take that. Maybe I need well, that. Well, good luck to you. I'll be a bit, teams like Newport shouldn't really be in the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not in the English league. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's a great that's way a to good end point. This. That is a good uh, point. Thank you very much. <laughs> Neil Hurd, who's the Welsh voice you've heard, yeah. is the author of the Football Shirts book, 
which covers everything from the iconic to the unusual. Even the most hardcore fan will find something new they didn't know. And he's also written about Boca Juniors shirts in our new issue, which is our 25th anniversary. And um, Steve Hill is the author of The Card, Every Match, Every Mile, his quest to follow Chester home and away over the course of one season. He also has two pieces in the current issue of the magazine, which is why we were talking about Eddie Howe and why we are talking about the Man United vlogger, Mark Goldbridge. Uh, the 25th anniversary of the mag is out now, and you can buy it online or you can buy it in a decent newsagent. It features a countdown of 101 best players of our lifetime, the magazine's lifetime, the past 25 years, plus the unseen photographic life of Pele and Peter Hooten of The Farm, writing a great piece about Bill Shankly. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and you can follow us all on Twitter. The magazine is at 442. I'm James James Brown. Neil, what are you? Neil Hurd, author. Neil Hurd, author. Is that on Instagram as well? On Instagram, I'm Neil Hurd, trainers, to confuse everyone. Okay. And Steve, what are you? Twitter, at Hilly the Fish. Excellent. Until next time, goodbye. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.